Hello, everyone, and welcome to Celtic Preacher Podcast 179. You know, I've been thinking a lot about changes recently, possibly because I've I've had a lot of unwelcome change, and the latest one being the the premature death of a friend. But there's been other changes too. It seems like over this last couple years, we've had, I don't know, like four couples left state and in California here, that's as good as moving overseas. I mean, you basically don't see people again. So lots of changes, like I said, unwelcome, not my idea, it's very unsettling. And uh, so I've been thinking a lot about changes and I've been thinking about unwelcome changes that happen to us all. And I've been looking for clarity and perspective, which isn't always easy. But one of the things that I've always found helpful is when I return to those ancient, ancient texts of the scripture, thousands and thousands of years old, these stories, I am so often reminded that every generation, every generation grapples with similar life challenges that we do. Even though, you know, it's set in a different culture, a different time, the human heart, you know, hasn't changed that much. And uh, yeah, uh, God, has good for us in the midst of change, whether we feel like it or not, whether we feel like it or not. So today I want to look at that whole idea of, of changes and transformation is one of the words that the scripture uses, which is a big deal. Transformation is a big deal in the scripture, particularly the New Testament, because it's really about what God is up to in our lives, and not just in our lives, but it's bigger than that. It's also the world and creation. And But today we're going to be looking at how it works in our own lives. You know, one of the things, one of the things that Jesus said often to people was, come and follow me. And uh, it was really an invitation to change. It was really an invitation to, for another life, a different kind of life. So you'll come across this phrase a lot in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, these three books that Jesus will encounter people and then he'll say to them, come and follow me. And uh, the people that did follow him, like for example, let's take one of the disciples, let's take Matthew for example, he was a tax collector He's making money basically by adding extra money to the already high taxes. So he's a thief and he's a criminal. And Jesus called him and asked him to come and follow, meaning, Matthew, I have a whole new way of life for you. It's a whole new way of seeing yourself it's a whole new way of understanding and responding to living. If you come and follow me, I'll show you how it's done. And 
the passage tells us that he left everything and he followed this Matthew. He left everything and he followed. Everything in this case meaning uh, how he made a living. Now, it doesn't go into a lot of detail about, you know, how it affected Matthew or what happened to his family or, you know, how the neighbors responded. Doesn't, there's no details. It's just this whole idea. Jesus invites them to come and a lot of changes happen to this man called Matthew and his family. And uh, not only did he lose a lot, but he also gained a lot. But, he, but before he could gain anything, he, he left everything. He left financial security. He left a well-paid position, uh, as well as his life of theft, of course, and extortion. He was a criminal, mind you. But I do want to point out that we can often miss this, that every time Jesus called someone, there's this massive change that happens internally for Matthew and for all the others too. Mind you, they're not all criminals, but you know, they all had to leave something behind in order to get this new thing. In other words, something new begins when something falls apart. Now that pattern is seen throughout the New Testament. This is like a spiritual principle. Something new begins when something old falls apart. So everybody wants more peace, right? Everyone wants more love. Everybody wants more joy. Jesus said, okay, that's fine. I have that for you. I'm calling it abundant life. And that's true. Everybody wants these things. We all want more serenity. We want less stress. But that only comes about, it, that only comes about, we only experience this, what he called abundant life. When all the things in our life that are prohibiting this life, Jesus promises, falls away. Now, the scripture calls this transformation. And uh, this is something that God is constantly working in our lives. Now, we're not always aware of it, obviously, but it is something that's, that's always there. Um, the Apostle Paul said, you know, don't, don't try and fit into the culture around you. It's not going to work, okay? Don't, don't try and fit into the culture around you, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed. It's like to be changed from one thing to another. So what he's counseling is, if you really want change, you have to change the way you think about everything. And that includes yourself and the world and your situation. Now, Paul's an interesting one because 
Here's the guy, by the way, that wrote three quarters of the New Testament. But Paul would have said that, you know, if God can change me, God can change anyone. And I'm sure Matthew would have said the same thing, the tax collector. Um, because he had a massive change in his life too. But both of these men, when something falls apart, something new begins to show. And in Paul's life, by the way, um, his health fell apart, his purpose, his goals, everything that he thought was important uh, sort of came under scrutiny, basically, and really forced him to make some long overdue changes in his life. Now, you and I are nothing like Matthew the tax collector or Paul, but I'm suggesting that this pattern of letting go of the old way has to happen before we experience this new thing God has for us. And I think this happens time and time and time again in our lives if we're open. Because, you know, we know this to be true. I mean, this is so common for us. We keep doing the same things that make us miserable. And we wonder why we're still miserable. Yeah, it's like, because we're not, because we haven't changed the way we're thinking about anything. But I'm going to tell you a little bit about Paul's story, because he, he's a great example of how God works with us. So I'm going to give you a little bit of Paul's story, sort of a key important leader in the early church. And uh, he starts off absolutely opposed to the people of the way. And that was the, that was the Jesus followers. They used to be called the people of the way. They weren't called Christians in the early church the very early church, were called the people of the way because they followed this new way of living that Jesus was modeling. And he, he's a religious man, but he's certainly not interested in anything to do with the people of the way. Uh, he's a Pharisee, which means that he's a theologian. He's uh, Jewish. He's knowledgeable. He certainly knows his scripture, what we would classify as the Old Testament. Great intellectual guy, giant really. And he firmly believes in the adherence of God's laws, the commandments. And he is more than a little alarmed about this Rabbi Jesus who is giving out all sorts of new teachings. And he wants to stamp out this cult the people of the way. And we're picking up his story. One day he's on a mission to flush out people of the way and have them arrested. And we're in the book of Acts. And he, there he is, he's, he's traveling to the city of Damascus. And before he gets to the city, a light from heaven flashes around him. And it's a blinding light. And he falls to the ground and he hears this voice asking him this question. Why are you persecuting me? And he's bewildered by this. And he says, well, who are you? And the voice says, I am Jesus. I am Jesus, 
get up and go into Damascus and you'll be told what to do. Now, his companions lead him to the city of Damascus. And what I want to point out for Paul is that at this point, he has completely lost control of his life. He's blinded by this light. He can't see. So it doesn't get much scarier than this. He has completely lost control. And, I mean, this is suffering at his worst. Worst, right? He's, it's off the scale stress. He's blind, he's in shock. His companions lead him to this uh, city of Damascus. And the passage tells us that he doesn't eat, doesn't do anything really for three days. He's just an absolute, total shock. And there he sits, can't eat, can't sleep, blind. I mean, one of the things that's got to be going through his mind is, I mean, this is the horrible shock for Paul is, is that, you know, he's beginning to realize that everything he worked so hard for, all the things that were so very important to him, that would be getting rid of this cult, this people of the way. It's like uh, all the things that he thought were so important, like stamping out this movement he's beginning to realize that he's been fighting against God. I mean, in other words, he's, it's the completely wrong way to live, to put his energies into this, it's all wrong. So there he is, he's just sitting there in the dark, literally at his wit's end, quite helpless. Now, there's something about vulnerability and fear and disillusionment that can make us incredibly open to God. Not always, right? Not always. Sometimes people become hardened, they close off, they uh, are absolutely not open to anything. But sometimes vulnerability and fear and disillusionment, a crisis really, can be the beginning of something absolutely new. And we're talking here about emotionally and spiritually. When something falls apart, it can be a moment of new birth. So while Paul is sitting in the dark, um, he doesn't know what's going on at all. Interestingly enough, A man called Ananias is having a prayer time. And while he's talking to God, God impresses upon Ananias and says, go and pray for this Paul. He, he needs healing. He needs help. He's in Damascus. He's on straight street. Go help him. I've got, I've got a task for him to do. So... Uh, now, we could, we could talk about this a lot and it would be a good subject but the, for another day, but I do want to point out that Ananias, I don't know if you've ever, ever been in a situation where something comes to you and you know that you need to do it, but you're scared to do it, right? You ever had that situation? 
like your 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 intuition and everything is telling you you know you need to do this but but still you're hesitant okay that's the situation Ananias is in doesn't exactly say no I don't want to go near this Paul but he certainly stalls and he's very hesitant and he starts to argue with God and he's he's saying things like you know he, he Remember, God, you know, he's the one that's caused us so much trouble. Just in case you've forgotten, he's the one that wants to stamp out the whole movement, the people of the way. He's arresting us. He's, 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 he's putting us in jail. And, but, God, but the Spirit, it, you know, kind of pushes and insists, no, 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 I want you to go. I want you to go to this, Paul. And I want you to pray for him. He needs healing. So Ananias goes, he prays for Paul, and long story short, something like fish scales fall from Paul's eyes. Something like fish scales fall from his eyes. Now, You'll have to have a ponder about that and a think about that, but there's something here about these fish scales. He, Paul sees something that he didn't see before, right? And we're not just talking about physical sight here. I think the whole idea of the scales falling off his eyes, I think he's got some insight into his life that he didn't have before, right? So sometimes, sometimes we, sometimes we just don't see things because we don't want to. Uh, sometimes we don't see things about our situation that we just don't like or we don't want to see. But sometimes we just have blinders for whatever reason and we can't see. And then something happens and we get that sort of moment of insight. And that's what happens to Paul. He gets this moment of insight. And part of the insight is, I have been persecuting the wrong people. I've been, I've been doing the wrong thing here. I've been wasting my time trying to stamp out the people of the way. And this Jesus spoke to me. This one is alive. This one is real. This one is guiding me. I've got to get back on track. So the story of Paul is, is that his eyes were opened, right? He was blind, now he sees. And again, we're not talking about visually impaired, although that's part of the story, but he's blind to truth. He's blind to God. He's blind to what's truly important in his life. Now, Upon first reading, if you read Paul's story, you could easily just lay this aside and think, well, that's a good story. I mean, but it's, I'm not going to be struck down by light on the way to Safeway and have Jesus' voice boom down from the heavens. And that's most likely true. However, that's really not the important part of the story. I think the important part of the story is, or one of the parts is, that God uses all sorts of situations and 
crisis and loss and challenges to open our eyes. It's like, I used to think that, but now I think this. I mean, if we're teachable, transformation happens when things fall apart. You know, if we're not too rigid and we're not too set in our ways, God can give us new perspectives, new ways of handling problems, new ways of viewing ourselves, new ways of thinking about a troublesome situation. This is all part of transformation, right? Because for the most part, we have very limited ways of thinking about things. We have very predictable storylines. But I think that one of the things that Paul's story shows us is, is that, well, one of the obvious things is if, if God can work with people like Paul, zealous but misinformed, passionate but misdirected, then certainly God's able to intersect with us, right? And cause us or help us to change, right? I mean, Paul would say, if God can get through to me, if God can change somebody like me, God can get through to anyone. Because I was totally off track. I had no idea what I was doing. Talk about being misinformed. Yeah, so Paul's story, you know, it's such a great reminder, such a wonderful reminder of these spiritual truths that, you know, it's, it's not uncommon for us to live in darkness, you know, get off track. Uh, we can be absolutely convinced we're doing the right thing or we're helping in the right way or we're making the right decision and we can be so off track. Because we can be so sincere in our beliefs and yet sincerely wrong. I mean, talk about a blind spot, right? We can be con convinced we see the path clearly or we know why somebody's doing what they're doing or we know why somebody responds in that particular way. Well, maybe we do and maybe we don't, right? Maybe we do and maybe we don't. You know, Paul is like, yeah, open the eyes of my heart. That was one of the prayers that he liked to pray. That was one of his favorite prayers, by the way. Open the eyes of my heart, meaning maybe, maybe I'm not really seeing this situation the way that is the most helpful. God, would you open that eyes of my heart? Yeah. One of his favorite prayers. And it's a good prayer, isn't it? It's a really good prayer. This crisis that he went through, literally struck blind, caused him to change his entire thinking, his focus, his goals, his direction. The old has to go before the new comes. Yeah, not, not the easiest thing to be deconstructed, right? Certainly not the easiest thing. 
But I think this is definitely the pattern that we see time and time again. Uh, yeah, God uses everything in our lives, blocks, interruptions, changes, unwelcome changes, everything God uses. Fears, hurts, difficult circumstances, family conflicts, inner struggles. It's all about, okay, okay, here is another opportunity to change our thinking. Because, you know, when our thinking changes, everything changes. Everything. We, we often target behavior first and actually... Don't think that's very helpful at all to say, you know, this thing I have to change or uh, this person, what they need to do is they need to change this and they need to do this and do that. Maybe, but a lot of the time it's our thinking that has to change. And then the behavior follows. Something old has to die. Something old has to be let go off before the new thing comes. And it's often hard and we often resist it. If we, if, we don't want, if we don't want change, we often resist it. But anytime we resist something a lot, I think it can be a, a flag for us in some way that if we resist too much anything, I think it can be, uh, let's just say, a potential opportunity for a deeper healing. And again, for that, we need the eyes of our heart to be opened. Yeah, that becomes the prayer, doesn't it? It becomes the prayer. It becomes the heart cry, just like Paul and Matthew and Mary and Joanna, and Lydia, down throughout the centuries, down throughout the generations, open the eyes of my heart that I might see things more clearly. Thank you for joining me. You have been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week for another episode.